Mike Felder joins us on the Adam Gold Show. My friend, uh, I made pizza yesterday and I thought of you. So I just want you to know that. Hey, man, what'd you do? How'd you do it? You do it on the grill? You do it in a pizza oven? How'd did, you do it? did it on a pizza stone in the oven. Nice. I love it, man. You let that thing heat up, right? Yeah, it was very good. You got to heat it up first. Otherwise, it's just you might as well just throw it on the rack. Bingo. There you go. I love to, I, I love to see it. We got we do pizza every Wednesday. It's very, very fun. Uh, I was there for a recent Wednesday. I had a blast. Yes. All right. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you about this. I mentioned this before. Should we be talking about Alabama the same way we're talking about Clemson this year? I think so. Uh, there's something lacking, right? I, I think, you know what? I hadn't thought about that in terms of parallels, but you know what? I think you really just kind of created something in my mind because here's the reality. Do they have the skill players, specifically the wide receivers that we're used to them having? Right. Absolutely not. Right? Like, yep. let, let's go down. Look, if we go down the list real quick, Amari Cooper, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Mike Williams, Sammy Watkins, yep. Duke Hopkins, Deion Kane even, yep. and, and and even even Adam Humphrey or or, or Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro, and, and, right. <laughs> you know, and, and like the same same type of guys for, for Bama as well. Like, you know, whether it's Slade Bolden or whoever, like they don't have any of those guys. So, yeah, I think that's very parallel. And then I think the difference is the quarterback probably. Um, Cade seems like there's something that he can do. Jalen still feels a little bit behind where Cade is right now. Mm -hmm. They're both kind of in the same spot, though. And, yeah, I think you're right. And I think here's the other part. Alabama probably a little bit more out in front because they still do have Dallas Turner and they have Kool-Aid McKinstry. But at the end of the day, from a defensive line standpoint, they neither one of these teams are what they what we've seen. Like there's no Josh Allen. There's no there's no Christian Wilkins. Right. Like they don't like those guys aren't there anymore. And it's gonna be interesting to see how they how they do it. I, I will say this and and listen, we've talked so much about two teams that one team lost their debut. The other team lost their second game. But here's the reality, Gold. Um, I, I got to give Texas credit. Yeah, I know. I do, too. Because they – I thought that when Alabama took the lead back, I thought that Texas would ball, would, would fold like a lawn chair. And they did. And mm -hmm. that's the part to me that I do want to give props to. So anyone – any Texas fan that's listening, there it is. I did talk about it. But, yes, this is – I'm far more intrigued by what's going on in Alabama. And this is a team, and you can see it on the sidelines, and they kept putting the camera on them, giving them the one shot, and the hero shot. Nick Saban hates this team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> I don't know if he hates this team, but what what it always strikes me as obvious when Nick doesn't think that he has yes. the right team. Um, because they do things that he that he, they normally would not do. Yep. I remember mm -hmm. when they fit when they fake a field goal or they faked a punt against Clemson because he yep. knew you could tell early on. I do not have a team as good as the guys on the other side of the line. Yep. And Make I thought I thought Texas as for as close as that game was and the fact that Alabama had the lead, I thought things came a little bit easier to Texas than they did to Alabama over the entire night, even though the game was in Tuscaloosa. I I, I swear I tweeted that. I don't know if it's what I exited that. I don't know. Exit. It. You exited. Yeah. I exited. But <laughs> literally everything was hard for Alabama. And every time they were in third and anything over four, 
I was like, they'll they'll never get this. So it's it's they've got to figure out who they are. The court. This is a team that still can win eleven games and go to the SEC sure. championship. But at the end of the day, when you look at them, it's gonna it's gonna be a slog the entire time. And oh, and by the way, to bring it back because I know we're an ACC country. What are they going to do against Texas A&M? Like an A&M team that lost to Miami, so shout out to the ACC getting a win that they really needed to get over yeah. the opponent. But like every game for them, whether it's Arkansas, A&M, it's it obviously LSU, LSU Ole Miss, Auburn. Auburn is not good, but they got to they still are going to have they have to give their best effort every single time. This is not, you know, in classic triangle style, Roy Williams rolling the ball out and I just got better players than you. This is going to be, hey, we got to have a game plan that works, and we got to stick to that game plan. And if it doesn't work, we got to have a new game plan made up in the middle of this game plan so that we can go out and make plays. Yeah, Alabama, by the way, after they uh, – I don't know why they're playing at South Florida, but they are. <laughs> um, that's that's a curious one for me. Uh, Ole Miss, two, two road games, Mississippi oh God, State, Ole Miss. right? Oh Ole Miss first, two road games, Mississippi State and Texas A&M. And then it's home against Arkansas, Tennessee, and LSU in a row. It's not they they do not have an easy schedule, unlike the University of Georgia, which clearly does. I keep I keep harping on this, but uh, it's fun to say nobody cares in college football who you played. They only care what your record is. Yeah. Uh, so Georgia and Michigan, the two teams that right now are one two in the college football rankings, are going to stay there. Uh, unless they lose, in Michigan's case, they'd have to get monumentally upset by somebody not named Ohio State, uh, and they'll probably be 11-0 and going into that game, and I don't know who's going to play with Georgia until we get right down to it, but maybe maybe Tennessee, uh, although I don't know. Mike, Feld, Mike Felder is joining us here on the Adam Gold Show. Very quickly, I want to move on to Carolina uh, and maybe a little bit of Florida State here. For sure. Um, but when Clemson lost their opener to Duke, it looked different from the team in blue. They did not look yes. – that did not look like – regardless of what we think of the outcome, the fact that Duke was competitive in that game with Clemson did not look like a fluke because I think Duke's got players. What was your takeaway from that game? So, if we go – so, obviously, Duke just beat uh, – what is it? Louisiana Lafayette. La, La, no, just Lafayette. Just they, Lafayette. Okay, just Lafayette. I can't – man, I'm – listen, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out all this transfer portal stuff. I, this is, and now I got – I just added the NFL stuff in, too, so this is a lot. Um, <laughs> but, no, so Duke, they get a big – they get an easy win this week. or They get a win that they work for, but they won in easy fashion this yes. weekend. But the Duke game – or the, the Clemson game, you look at the box score and I know turnovers, 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 and I understand green zone. And for folks that don't understand green zone, green zone is basically 20 to 20. Clemson had a lot of 20 to 20 yards. If you look at the box score and you say, Oh wow, this guy threw for more than this guy. And this guy threw for more than this guy. And this guy ran for more than this guy. You're like, how did they not win the game? But it's what you do in the red zone. And it's also turnovers. And those are things that are, that are, that, that matter a lot. And Duke was able to take advantage of it. So me coming out of it, Super excited for Mike Elko. You get off to a 2-0 and start, and now all of a sudden, the next thing that you're looking for is, who's next for us? Who's next for us? Who do we get next? And I think that's going to be the part that's interesting because Northwestern is not good. Nice. I watched them this week. <laughs> They're not good. The UConn game stands out to me, and I'm very excited for that because 
I will say this. I am a UConn fan right now. Okay. I, uh, a guy that I played football with at UNC, Shelton Bynum, he was the strength and conditioning coach at Johnson C. Smith here in Charlotte. He got the assistant strength and conditioning coach at UConn under Mora. And so I watch what they do. I follow him on Instagram. I watch what they do all the time. He and I talk. And it's just like I'm rooting for them to be successful. I'm not rooting against Duke. Right. But I want UConn to be successful. But then they there then it really starts when you get Notre Dame, NC State, Florida State, yes. back to back to back. And then you get a little the little the 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 what do you call it? A chaser with Louisville. Yeah. And so it's gonna be interesting to see what this how this shakes out. But this is a team realistically three and oh. They could be 4-0 if they beat UConn headed mm-hmm. in that Notre Dame game and certainly going to be a really interesting team. And they can just, they're going to continue to stay ranked. So let's see what happens. College game day at uh, Wallace Wade Stadium for the first time ever. I have no idea if that's going to happen. It might not, <laughs> might not even be wise uh, for that to happen. And my, my prediction is that game will be a 3-30 game. Nobody wants to risk putting that in prime time because it could go the other way. But let me ask you about North Carolina, Mike Felder. Yes, sir. Uh, going into the season, my wonder was I knew, I was not concerned about the offense, although I was concerned about playmakers on the outside. And now and we'll, uh, I'll let you give your opinion on Tez Walker in a second. Uh, but I was more concerned, would we see disruptors in the defensive front in the first two levels of defense? We knew Cedric Gray was good. Right, but it looks like they have other players that are disruptors that can get in the backfield, stuff the run. Because uh, I think I think App's good. I think App's legitimately good. I'm not concerned mm-hmm. by anything that I saw really in that game. But what are what are your thoughts on their front? Let's just say front seven. I, I love Cedric Gay, as you mentioned. I love Power Eccles, by the yep. way. He he. I, I I remember the first time I ever saw him. I think it was at Rocky River High School uh, for a Nike V opening, and I was like, this dude's gonna be. And I was like, I thought he was going to end up at Clemson, like Trenton Simpson, and he didn't. He, he ended up at UNC, which is amazing. I am, to me, I'm looking at Desmond Evans. Mm-hmm. I do want more from him, honestly. I want more. But what he's doing right now is enough, but I want more. Um, and then you throw in a guy like, um, um, what's it, the big, bigger? Big, big, is it Biggers? Oh, big, I don't know. Anybody? But him, they've got uh, the transfer from Florida State. Uh, yeah. You've got. Uh, Rucker on the edge. I, it Rucker's just good. They seems like they have guys who have lived in the def- in the offensive backfield, and I haven't seen that f- since Mac Brown's been back. Well, Biggers is a. I, I like Ju- I, It's Giovanni Biggers. It's, he's a guy that's kind of a hi- this hybrid player that moves around a lot, and they ha- he's a different type of piece. So I love him. Uh, the big thing for me, and, and that's why I, I include him as part of that front seven because okay. he's a guy that's going to get tackles for loss. He's going to find a way. To play in the backfield, he's also going to be he's the, he's your lead secondary run defender basically, and I love that in, in terms of when the ball breaks the line of scrimmage, he's going to be the guy that makes that tackle, and I love that. So the big thing for me um, with them, and we saw, listen, we did see it like South Carolina, that was an apparition, right? Where where you have sixteen tackles for loss and nine sacks, <laughs> yeah. it's not going to be a game to game thing. No, but. We recognize how it can happen. They just have to figure out how to make it happen more often. And that's the part that I look at where they are going to have to bring pressure. They're going to have to bring dudes down. They're going to have to do all those things. And what that does do, and as we get into an ACC schedule, and we saw it happen a couple times against App. App's not a team that is great throwing the ball, but Deshaun Davis had a day. Yeah. Um, seven catches for 117 yards. And basically what happens is, is because you have to – you have to give every it's all push pull, right? Like it's like you think about the scales of justice. 
And on those scales of justice, there's pass coverage and there's sacks. If you got to give more to get sacks, that pass coverage, it gets a little bit lighter. If you got to play more in coverage, those sacks, they're going to go away. And that's one of those things for me that I really look at. And this is a team that if they can get penetration and they get home with the blitz, and this was a problem we talked about last year, Mm -hmm. they would blitz, but they wouldn't get home. They would not get the sack, which left them at a deficit at a deficit with respect to throwing the ball down with when teams are throwing the ball down the field. Yeah. I love that they were able to get the stop on fourth down. Amazing. Yeah. You saw penetration there, right? You see penetration. You see, you see guys, someone being strong. You see someone deciding not today. Not, not, not me. I'm not going to be the guy that gives this up. And so I really enjoyed that, but it was one of those things where that's just me as a football person, liking guys standing up more. And I think at the end of the day, I mean, Gee, how did we go this long without mentioning Omarion Hampton? Like tremendous. They can run the ball. And, they can run the ball. And, and, it doesn't and have May to be is good. Uh, and he's good with his feet as you know, as well as his arm. Uh, and I mean, so I'm I'm not really concerned about their offense. Uh it would be better if Tez Walker were out there. Dude, don't <laughs> No don't no. I I'm I'll get you started on it because I've uh, been ranting about it for I don't know, three weeks now. It's a slam dunk for the NCAA from this standpoint. Who's this the is, aggrieved party? The only aggrieved party could possibly be Kent State. They and, supported him. Right, they exactly. Supported him. Exactly. It, this is this is the NCAA standing. You know that little circle they have underneath the basket in yeah. the NBA, <laughs> little dash line. This is them standing there and still missing a layup. <laughs> this is them. They're they're shooting the ball underneath the rim. They're hitting the they're they're hitting that big orange block. They're hitting that, <laughs> and it's coming back to hit them in the face. Right. Uh, I what I don't know is what, like I was talking to somebody today. Um, Tez was Ill, ineligible at the time he transferred and knew it because the second time transfers, it wasn't a free transfer the second time, sure. and whether or not he should be considered a second second time transfer, right. regardless. Uh, under the old guidelines, it was a formality. He would have been allowed to transfer uh, yep. and be uh, immediately eligible, which is when he transferred, that was the assumption. But when they changed the rule and then they let the schools know in March that the restrictions were going to be real, which, by the way, we should not lose sight of the fact that coaches and administrators argued for, um, that they sh- probably should have started any legal maneuvering then. Yes. But UNC just assumed that mental health would win out. And unfortunately, the NCAA never bought his leaving. I think I, I don't think they ever bought his leaving Central, the circumstances under which he left Central. Um, but so, I, I mean, this is almost predictable. I, I, which- that, that makes it makes no sense though. He left Central because their season was canceled. I mean, he wanted to keep playing football. Right, but so they he went somewhere he could play. They but the, what they said was it was not a unique situation. So in in going back and reading about what their decision was, what it was based on, uh, it it struck me then. Oh well, they're not going to be sympathetic to this because they weren't sympathetic to that, and yes, they have. I'll give them credit for being consistent. Yeah, uh, consistently with, stink. Yeah, the, consistently wrong. But I'll give them credit at least for being consistent. 
And then the the emotional plea, because it was the first time Tez Walker had been in front of them, even though it was in a video conference, uh, it was all, all well and good, but they they didn't see any new information. So they just went, this is the way, this is our decision. Sorry, I just don't know what UNC could do now because he wasn't eligible. So you can't even file for a temporary injunction for what? He was yeah. <laughs> he was it's, still it's, ineligible. It's 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 really frustrating. Um and again, I'm glad you mentioned kind of the like the legal team element of it and teams like the the PR element of it and folks pushing hard. Like this feels really last minute, if you will, from UNC. Like it seemed like they were like, okay, we don't even have to worry about this, it'll work. And then you get to the eleventh hour, and yep. now all of a sudden we're like, Well, wait a second, what happened? And I will say this, I I don't think this would have happened if it was basketball and somebody somebody for UNC somebody that UNC wanted out of the portal in basketball. I think they would have geared up and got and went out and got it, made sure it got done. And now it's not getting done. And this is a, this is a guy like, I, like, I feel really bad as he's from Charlotte. Man. Yep. And he didn't get to play in that game mm-hmm. because what, because obviously the NCAA, they stink. I'm not, I don't trust them, man. I would, I would not, tr- I wouldn't trust them with a dollar on the ground. And the reality for me is, but you got to push. Yes. And that's the part that's frustrating for me. And, I guess this is, and you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to say sour grapes, but it's frustrating because I went through, not I went through, I have friends that went through that 2010 situation. Uh huh. And it felt like that the school also didn't push hard for them. Agreed. So it just is, <laughs> it's, 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 it feels kind of like deja vu all over again. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I made references to it a few times that kind of just kind of slipped through without anybody noticing. Like nobody was told to hand over their cell phones this time, sure. uh, so that's probably a good thing. Uh, but yeah, this whole One of the thing worst things that's ever happened. Mm-hmm. Like I cannot believe that your school lawyer t- tells you're the best player that you've had in a while to give his cell phone yep. to the NCAA to look at when he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to, right? But again, it was about protecting the university, not right. protecting the player. Uh, and I'm not. The, I don't think these situations are identical, but the university no, should. Identical, have, but they, they should have been on top of this earlier. Yeah. Uh, all right, sir. Good luck. Uh, good luck to you and your uh, and your sewing. Which, by the way, on it's Felder, uh, we learned about sewing. Uh, if you want to be a Renaissance man like my friend Mike Felder uh, at In the Bleachers on X, uh, you should uh, you should subscribe to It's Felder. You're the best, man. I'll talk to you later.